I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. It's the Bearded Dicks Musical Fun Time. Bearded Dicks. Sexy boys committing crimes. No, we're not. You can't prove anything. One of us is a lawyer, the other one's a hero. Yo, I've had, at, on two occasions now, someone say, thank you for your service, and I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> You've no idea the amount of shit that fucking EMTs talk about people as soon as they drop that person off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did it. You made it through another year, and now you're here listening to us drink beer, and, uh... We're relapsing tonight, boys! Oh. This would be a fun way to start a relapse. Are you guys ready to listen to an incredibly long BDMFT episode that is just Dick Fetty talking about things for an extended period of time and me occasionally trying to shove jokes in there and then me talking about things for a very long time and Dick Fetty occasionally trying to stick jokes in there? Well, there'll be a mix, there'll be a mix them up. It goes just me, us, and then just you. It's all your fucking doujin. But... Um, I almost bought some on my birthday because the bookstore we went to does carry Dojin. Why are we at this bookstore right now? Well, uh, fucking Barnes & Noble's carrying Dojin now. Get the fuck out of here. Not even kidding. Not like the high quality stuff. Like, Books A Million had, I, I was like, ugh. Let's but go. Like, Don't you have money? Let's go soon. We could go. It's all the way out fucking wanna, Maze Landing. I'll drive. We can go. It's not like a huge section. It's not like they have I don't like care. a I just, I'm, I'm in general interested based on what you told me, but... Uh, you know, you said you want to spend it on manga. I want to go buy porn. Let's fucking go. That's a good point. Anyways, so yeah, let's get to it. Um, I want to talk. This is our year in uh, wrap up, twenty twenty two. The the year I finally got the flu. No, bad. Uh, bad start. So, I have very few records for this year to recommend. And uh, two hours later. <laughs> No, I mean, it's funny, like, I mean, we've got two obligatory UVB76 releases, uh, one other drum and bass release, two synth pop, and one metal album. The reason is, I didn't buy that many records this year, and I bought very few records that actually came out this year. And part of that was, I started a new job, which hypothetically pays more than my old job, but I had three weeks, three weeks where I didn't get paid by anybody, and that fucked up my money for quite a long time. And so I just wasn't buying as many records. And then I bought a ton of reissues that came out either this year or last year and dug into some older stuff. But I really just wasn't buying as much. And part of that is that the 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 cost of vinyl, like for LPs now, is so expensive. Like every record I bought at a concert to buy a single LP now at a show is like 30 fucking dollars. And... Yep. On the one hand, I want to give the money to the bands because they're getting those records, you know, typically for free or as part of their contracts or whatever. So I want to support touring bands. I'll do that even if I know like I could get that for twenty bucks online. 
uh, and it's also just easier. But it is brutal, dude. Thirty fucking dollars. Like that wasn't even a double twelve inch, you know, a couple of years ago. And COVID made the collector's market insane. Well, and it's it's partially the collector's market, but it's also the increasingly fucked up strain on vinyl production with the increased demand that's just been increasing for the last decade so it's it's a lot of different factors but like everything's you know inflation has made everything cost more it's also harder to get it it takes longer blah 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 so masayuki takiyanagi new direction unit we talked about them last year they reissued two of the new direction unit albums on blank forms uh, which is an awesome nonprofit out of New York that does jazz, free jazz, experimental stuff. They also this year reissued, ah, shit, now I'm forgetting the guy's name. I'll look that up in a second. But uh, Black Editions is the other label out of LA that's doing basically all psychedelic speed freak reissues and then some new stuff too. So they reissued uh, two live albums into a massive uh, set on their label called Station 70 Call and Question Live Independence, which is one, two, three slabs of vinyl. And it, but it comes in this big box with all this booklet. It's fucking gorgeous. This is one of those things that like came on and it's like, okay, I'm spending that money. Like that's not even a question for me. And I didn't really expect it to like sell out super fast or anything like that. Cause there's not like a ton of people clamoring for avant-garde Japanese jazz. Uh, oh, Eclipse was the other one by New Direction Unit. and But I got them all at once. And then I I had to wait because this is very much like of a mood music. You know, free improv, free jazz shit from the back in the day. And when I finally did listen to it, I was like, oh, fucking well-spent money. So that was really cool. And the other one I want to mention. So the other thing is Black Editions has coming out this year, Strange Bedfellow, which is the first time that White Heaven album's ever been reissued. I've never heard it. It's the one without uh, Michio Kurihara, and I'm extremely excited to get it. So the other reissue I wanted to mention was uh, Kazuki Tomokawa, who is the guy who appears in the movie Izo by Takashi Miike, plays mm. like weird acid folk music. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Screaming Poet. They re- uh, Blank Forms, as I previously mentioned, reissued his first three albums on a triple CD set and a triple vinyl thing. And I haven't picked them up. They came out really early. I think they were supposed to come out in like 2021. And I've just been meaning to get to it. I have a, a really excellent Greatest Hits CD compilation from Japan that's all pulls from those albums, so I know they're good. Wasn't that dick expensive, too? No, that was actually, like, a shockingly good price. The rest of his albums, I have one of his albums is, like, 25 minutes, and it was, like, almost $100 for the CD, but it's so good. I can't believe you picked up this vinyl yet. I know, I know. Well, part of it's because, like, it's still available, and I'm probably gonna buy it on CD just because it's not the kind of music to me that I necessarily, like, need on vinyl that much. But I, it's really cool to see some of these incredibly hard to find, very expensive, and like really important for a scene that like is a very local scene in many ways. Getting these these great reissues, very reasonably priced and uh, readily available. And then I would finally mention there was a million amazing noise reissues this year. I don't think I bought. I don't think I actually bought any noise this year. I got stuff in trades, but I don't think I like paid dollars for almost any noise. And it's not because I don't like noise anymore, but it just, I spent a huge chunk of the year sitting in front of a 
TV playing video games and listening to music through Spotify, and that really precludes me from <laughs> listening to noise largely. I mean, there is stuff on there, but also I'm sitting down there with my wife who does not want to fucking hear it. So, so yeah, that's my... Uh, uh, it took about five minutes. I can live with that. A uh, little rant about all that. Uh, as far as reissues, there's so much more I'm not touching on, but so it goes. Touch it. Touch it. So I'm going to, I want to do the DMB first. Uh, the first one is, is probably one of my two favorite records of the year. Blocks and Escher shot in the dark EP. Uh, this came out on RNS and I think I've talked about Blocks and Escher in my big like decade review I did. I think I talked about something blue, but they do this very wonderful it's like tech step meets atmospheric drum and bass and basically like they 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 have like engineered levels of like emotive synth shit on top of this like very precise uh kind of drum pattern stuff that's organic but also like very mechanical and it's pattering in a good way and this ep starts with a song like that shot in the dark and i'm gonna play that in a second but then it immediately goes into a sort of dubstep or slow song, like halftime track, and another one that's like way more like weird and mutant than what they normally do. Like nothing super crazy, still very much atmospheric y drum and bass, but with like a weird UK bass undertone. And then the last track is like almost a footwork song. And so it's nice because I can listen to Blocks and Escher do their thing. Uh, in their usual style that they've been doing for like over a decade now and enjoy it, which is something blue. But this EP is like, here's a perfect version of what we've been doing for 10 years, like condensed into this amazing title track. But then here's like three other fucking cuts that's like, here's us like screwing around. It's flawless. Like I listen to this EP so many fucking times and it's really good for playing video games, Elden Ring, Synthetic, etc., etc. So... Let me play a couple minutes of shots in the shot in the dark and then I'll jump into the next two.
you you basically get like these Blade Runner synths, especially in the last part, on top of pretty like minimal drum work, but it's like I said, it's it's repetitive, but like in a good kind of a way. It's, I'm not gonna bring up the game, but I, now I know I'm gonna. I'll bring it up when we get to what Cyberpunk. The, no, no, oh. the game that I'm currently playing. Oh, okay. This this is gonna be the new background track. Sure, sure, yeah. So it's yeah. I was really. I mean, I I like Blocks and Asher. It was nice because RNS stuff can like kind of come and go as far as uh, its availability, but the things on their label on narratives are. You know, they're typically shipping out of the UK, so they're just that much more expensive. And so this was, was able to get from Hard Wax for a good price. It was wonderful. This was... No, I don't think it was this one. I had I did have an order of 12 inches from the UK early in the year that got delayed by like three or four months. Maybe it was closer to six months. And when they finally came, I was like, oh, okay, I forgot I fucking ordered these. And they included some older things that they alleged to have in stock that I was like, I'm going to order this and try, but I don't think it's going to come. And then they actually did. I was very happy. Wow. Yeah. So we have to talk about the obligatory UVB76 stuff. Uh, two artists that have graced my list multiple times, Clarity and Overlook. Why won't they return our calls? They do return our calls, actually. I haven't spoken with Mr. Overlook in, in a while, but that's only because I just sort of dropped off of our discord chat we had going for quite a bit um and that's just i don't know i don't really have a good excuse but so i i first want to mention clarity's basalt ep so i talked about clarity had like a comeback ep i think it was two years ago now uh-huh. but maybe it was the beginning of last year in 2021 uh called tension if it or maybe it was just the catalog number but this, this new one's nice because it's the first two tracks are kind of industrial, techno, gray area, whatever you want to call it. And the the back half is drum and bass. And it's just like he's a, just another one of these guys that's able to make those switches in a really convincing and effective way. So I think I want to play. Yeah, I'm going to play the title track. It's It's nice. It's not nearly as ugly and industrial as his last EP on UVB. It's definitely got a little bit more of agility and less like heavy clank, but I like it just as much. This this was one of those where I'm like, I was expecting to like it, but it's like, oh man, like fuck yeah, dude. I think you sent me this song. It's possible. I mean, UVB just doesn't really ever fail me. I, I'm, I'm a couple that? records behind now. I don't think I picked up the last two on Droogs or on UVB only because I tend to order in batches. But we're the only UV we're the only official UVB fan podcast. Yeah. Semi official. So I'll play a little bit of Basalt here. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a good way into the track just so you can kinda get a good feel for where it goes.
So, so that's that's clarity. It sure is. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think the track speaks for itself. It's again, it's definitely like a little bit lighter on its feet than some of his most recent uh, before that. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's like. I don't at this point I don't understand what I'm supposed to do but other than just say yes I continue to love the style that the UVB 76 guys fuck with like they just keep making really good tracks that you know and, and it's funny too because I'm sitting here listening to it while we're, we're doing this and I'm like oh I'm about to get into that period of the year where I'm like anything with guitars I don't want to hear it's got to be all electronic And but right now I've been this huge death metal thing so it's like how could I listen to any music that doesn't have guitars like what's the point of that and uh, I just forget here how... comes the drum and bass yeah so uh, I, I completely skipped the techno phase of the year for myself which seems to be happening like every other year lately but um yeah, that was it. Was cool because I didn't expect that sort of split between gray area techno and and drum and bass. But even more surprising was I I got lucky too because I heard a little bit of an advanced version of Lost Souls Club, which is the new Overlook EP, also on UVB seventy six. Ooh! It I think I got it like right around the time I started my new job. I think it was like a couple weeks after and it was a really good soundtrack for like my walks to the coffee shop and sneaking out for cigarettes and stuff like that. And the thing about it is I, part of me wants to play the third track midnight sun, which is like kind of more classic, a little bit heavier, harder edged. But this is again, it's like where and it's laziness on my part, but like, I can't help but think of old Fotec, old source direct, like these, I mean, basically, like, Overlook's doing his own thing, and there's no... The comparison's unnecessary. It's like, if you're familiar with Overlook, then you, in one way, know what to expect. But there's this continued trend of exploring, you know, new angles and working them into, like, what it still feels like Overlook mm -hmm. songs. And so the first one is a little bit dreamier and and kind of like has a little bit of like a jazzy kind of thing but the second track which is what i'm going to play lost souls club the titular song is straight up like drum funk meets it's got like this little smoky i think what is like a saxophone riff going on or some like muted trumpets or something like that like devil's honey yeah it's like big big jazzy like but not big, like actually like quiet jazzy, like smoky jazz. Then there's this little sample from uh, Jim Morrison, like at one point in it, that just adds this level of uh, mystery and like, it's just, it's very cool. And I'm like, fuck dude, like this sounds like it could be old Fotec, but it's actually better than that. Cause like, I'm not the biggest fan of all of like the jazzier Fotec stuff. Whereas this totally works for me. And then Midnight Sun is like a little bit more of a clanky, angry, whatever. And um, and then Phantom also kills it. This is just like another one where it's... A lot of times his EPs will be like, here's a four songs in this particular like new sort of like angle. Whereas like every track on this EP is like an Overlook track, but with its own angle, which is very cool. It's Overlook, man. Yeah, it's Overlook. Like, again, if you're a fan of this show, you fucking know how we feel. And if you're not... Check this shit out, but let me let me play a little bit of this Lost Souls Club. Cause like, get the fuck out of here, my fucking guys. Ah! 
know how I feel. Yeah, it's just like fuck, dude. It's been a minute since I listened to this and I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And it's cool too because I think part of what reminds me a little bit of Source Direct on the CP and that song in particular is in in the song Two Masks by Source Direct, there's this repeated just like single like low synth, like bass synth note that gets hit once in a while that's just this don't and that song has a similar kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's I don't think it's sampled or anything like that. I don't even know if it's intentional or not. But I love that track by Source Direct. It's one of my favorites. And one of the few like of their original older records, but not their super expensive period, that I, I actually own on vinyl and not just a CD. And um, yeah, so like it, it can't help but recall that for me. But then there's the the last track, Phantom, has these samples in it that make me think of an old song from Uncle's Never Never Land, which is like a weird fucking pull from high school. That is kind of a weird pull. Yeah, so... But I I just remain a consistent fan. I I mean, I have to say I'm fucking dying for a a follow-up to Smoke Signals because I I know he's got the chops to pull off another album. But on the other hand, it's like, if you're one album kind of guy and Smoke Signals is the album you give me, I'm going to take it. I'm happy with that. I'm going yeah. to fucking take it. And if anything, it's it's just a crying shame because, like, it's, you know, digital reproduction and whatever, like, distribution's all fine. But, like, dude, like, just print, like, do another big press because, like, that album, it, it, it's too good to be only held by a few people relatively, you know. So I think that wraps it on the drum and bass portion. I want to talk about two artists synth pop stuff and then i'm going to jump into what's going to be a larger discussion on uh death metal uh i'm not going to play samples of either of these two records only because uh i mean this is pretty easy stuff to find and we also in the hope of not making this 40 hours long are gonna Boo! I'm gonna speed up on it also that being said so i, I want to talk about two records charlie xcx her new album, Crash, that came out at the beginning of this year. <clears throat> Impurity Rings Graves, which came out this year as well. Mm-hmm. So I already covered two of the songs from Crash last year on my list when they were just still digital singles. One of those songs was even played at my wedding. Fuck, I might listen to Purity Ring on the way home now. Yeah, I don't blame you. So I, I talked in our last episode about seeing Charlie XCX live. And although I was disappointed by sort of the lip-syncing nature of the live show, it didn't diminish the awesomeness of this record. And it, it's interesting because there's been there's a lot of initial pushback even before it came out of like, oh, it's so much poppier and so accessible and whatever. And whatever. I'm not even going to get into her whole history. And I think it's a great record. And I'm not going to... I think it's a great record both in her discography and as a synth pop record and as a record that kind of like every song seems to pull from a different trend in the last 20 years of like dance music and dance pop and synth pop and stuff like that. So there's shit where I'm like, wow, this sounds like a fucking ATV record from 1998. 
and then other stuff where I'm like, this sounds like a, you know, kind of like a trap house thing from 10 years ago, but like <laughs> she does each thing in her own way, makes it her own. Uh, and the song baby reminds me of <clears throat> like Christina Aguilera, like mid, mid late nineties pop, like, but made much more aggressively sexy. That's so weird. Mariah and I were just talking about Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears and like that era of pop yesterday. It's so weird. Yeah. But it's it's just all good. I it's funny because New Sheeps gets a lot of mixed feedback and a lot of negative feedback. I can't I can't understand how a person with two ears and a heart can hear that song and not be like, Fuck yeah. Uh it's it's just really good. It's also like very brief relatively. It's thirty three minute long album with twelve songs and there are no stinkers for me. It's it's like it's brash, it's sexy, it's it's like it's sultry at times. It can even be a little saccharine, but then eventually pushes back on it. The song Yuck is a good example of that. But yeah, I mean, I think all the singles did it justice. And then the two songs I like the most, though, are Constant Repeat and Move Me, which are uh, a little bit less overtly spicy and brash as some of the bigger tracks, like Good Ones and New Shapes. They may not hit as hard in the one sense, but they're very much like... If I want a synth pop song, I could just like put on it any time, like a little piece of cotton candy, like that's it. Um, she played the entire album when I saw her live, which was fucking awesome. And then played stuff like Zoom Zoom and um, Zoom Zoom, Jesus Christ, Vroom Vroom. And uh, I can't even think brain. But she played a lot of like good single stuff. And so that was cool. So. You know, fuck what you heard. If you like good synth pop, you will like Crash. If you don't like Crash, get the fuck out of my face. Do it. Get out of his face. And then similarly, you know, I I just have to always remind myself that the internet's just a place for everybody to hate on things when they can't accomplish it themselves, uh, especially when it comes to artistic stuff. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I think it was not that long ago. One of the people who was instrumental in creating the internet. Uh, you know, originally was like, oh my god, it's gonna be this beautiful thing to connect all these people, and now he's like, it was. A I mistake. think the internet was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Purity Ring. I mean, speaking of though, it's funny. Graves has been an, an online only album. And it doesn't have an, like a physical release yet. And Purity Ring is a weird band because like. From the moment they came out, there was immediate, like, hardcore fans and also people that are like, oh, this is just trendy fop. And then as they've gone on, people are like, oh, they haven't kept up with the trends. This sounds dated. Or they're like, they've kept up with it too much. And it's just like, this kind of music, man. People you, like to complain. Yeah, nobody can be happy about it ever. And so uh, the first time I heard the EP, I was like, oh, I like this. But I was in a in a car smoking cigarettes with the windows down, going down the highway. I wasn't able to hear it super well. And I listened to it a couple times right before I saw them live again for the third or fourth time. Then I saw them live, and these songs were a bit more fleshed out, and plus they had a wonderful fucking stage show, which they had the last time, but this was, like, just beautiful. And I was like, ooh. And they came back to it, and I'm like, Ooh, and also the album they did before this, Womb, from two years ago. Like, it didn't really stick at the time, and I was like, what was I listening to? I think the only complaint I personally level at it is that they're... The lyrics used to be very evocative, but they were also not 
particularly straightforward. There was a lot of, like, weird body sex, like, not body horror, but, like, body-related imagery, ribs, bones, fingers, all this kind of, like, feminine mystique wrapped into, like, a little bit of a Videodrome thing. And now they're, like, just way more kind of about, like, clearly about what they're about. And so I do miss that kind of, like, extra weird shit on top of it. But ultimately, I'm not only listening to my synth pop for the lyrics, and the lyrics certainly don't offend. And I still like them. And I also like the kind of more direct accessibility. This is a very short EP, and a lot of people are like, oh, it's just, like, sketches of songs they didn't finish. And I'm like, nah, this is just, like, extremely concise statements. It it borders on a level of, like, almost twee, but in a way that really works for me, much to my own surprise. Uh, and there's this, like, beautiful triple part of Nothing's Fine, Unlucky, and Water Song that are, like, all together six minutes. It's like I've got most of my seven inches are longer on one side than that. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, you get, like, three... And it's the kind of stuff I put this on. We, we listened to it on the way to our friend's house on New Year's Eve, and it was, like, driving at night with, like, it was raining and the lights, and I'm just like, oh, man, this is, like, hitting me in, like, my feels right now. And I, I don't know, like, I don't know what fucking people's problem is, but I think the CP is excellent and just goes alongside of every other thing they've done of like, this is a hundred percent purity ring. It doesn't sound like anything else. And if you can see them perform this shit live, like do yourself a fucking favor. Let's go right now. Let's go find them. Wake them up out of their beds. Get the fuck out of here. We want to see it. And then I guess we're going to get into the reason for the season. Anal? Yeah. Well, the next best thing, death metal. Double anal. Okay, double anal's the better thing. <laughs> but, so yeah, so I mentioned on the the last episode, I saw 200 Sad Wounds, Phobophilic, Undeath, Enforced Live, and I, Phobophilic was first up, they were unknown to me, and I thought, by the end of their set, I was like, wow, this could be the highlight of the night, this was so good. And I bought their record, like, hoping, like, okay, I might get some of that. But, like, you never know. Like, metal bands, sometimes they're way better live than they are on record just Mm -hmm. from a sheer force of volume issue. And sometimes they are way better on record than they are live. I mean, that's any genre, but in metal it seems to be increasingly true. And Enveloping Absurdity, which is on prosthetic records, is one of the best, like, death metal band... The death metal albums I've heard by new bands since I think Star Spawn by Blood Incantation, which was six years ago. And not shocking that it shares seemingly some DNA with that band and their their sound, but like it blows my fucking mind. Like they've not been around that long. They they're coming out of Fargo, North Dakota, and they deliver I, I believe it's eight, maybe it's nine songs. I'm pretty positive it's eight. It's like eight fully fleshed out, really well written songs that have like a, a a beautiful like it's all the things it's perfectly balanced production that sounds pretty organic without ever becoming muddy or any of the elements like taking over Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i like a lot of bands that'll have like either ultra paper thin production that just like makes it feel like you're getting your face grinded off uh i like stuff that's like ultra bassy or ultra distorted i love portal and i love portal's most like fucked up sounding records god i do love portal yeah but I do love a band like Blood Incantation or like Phobophilic who are able to give you a record that's just like, 
a perfectly balanced mix where every single player is doing their part. And the thing that they do on top of it that really reminds me of Blood Incantation and all the bands that they took their inspiration from is there's a fair amount of like dueling solos or single solo parts that are really well integrated into the song that show the guitarist chops, but also like play to the where the song is going. Like they're not just in there so that you're like, oh, sick solo. It's like, oh, this is part of like the overall development of this song as a piece of, you know, like sonic structure. And the 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 fucking run in the middle, which is normally where most albums sag. Also, again, it's like this album's under 40 minutes, which is a good thing for them. Cathedrals of Blood, in parentheses, Twilight of the Idols, uh, is fucking awesome. Then in Individuation is their, like, acoustic-y, like, sort of little interlude piece that starts the B-side, but it's a really good song. It's not just, like, a little diddle mm-hmm. that they do. And then Into the Illusion of Self is, like, holy shit, it's just, I don't know, like, less than 15 minutes of perfection like oh my god give it to me over i've listened to this record like so many more times than i ever would have expected and there are it's just there's this element of like finished death metal i mean demolich is the one everybody goes to but there is something to be said about it in there like the vocals aren't nearly as alien and frog-like or anything like that and there's nothing nearly as angular and weird and triangle like lovecraftian whatever shit but there is this just it's a little bit demigod, it's a little bit convulsed, but, like, I don't know, like, maybe it's because Demolich are the fucking, one of the best bands of all time, as far as, like, especially releasing one record and just being like, okay, we can't top that, we're done, bye forever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's wonderful. And so, that show and this record helped me, like, basically was like, okay, I guess I'm just listening to death metal for a while now, and now it's been two months that's still happening.
And this leads me into my overall thing I just want to talk on. There's so much to say, but I'm going to try to be brief. So, I mean, there's been a shitload of good death metal for the last, like, five, six years. I mean, there's always been good death metal, but there's, like, really bands, you know, especially in the internet age, like, it's so easy in a certain sense to be like you can pick some really hyper specific shit and develop a band like in a very particular way that before bands like carcass were like just accidentally like creating a revolution with every record right now like we've got all those templates and so bands can iterate on like hyper specific styles and other bands still manage to like come up with something new so I'm going to go through records from 2020, 2021, and 2022, not with any descriptions, but just to mention some stuff I've heard, some stuff I haven't, some stuff that, like, basically everything I've heard is good. Uh, like, I've heard good things about all these records, and then I'm going to go back a little bit and talk about some of the ones that I have personal experience with. But it's just, like, just to kind of give you an overview of, like, in the last three years, the amount of, like, insanely good records. And, you know, of course, everybody would argue about which ones are better and worse and whatever. But, like, holy fucking shit. So, 2020, I would mention Gorphilia's In the Eye of Nothing on Dark Descent, Pharmacist, Medical Renditions of Grinding Decomposition on Bizarre Leprous Productions, Sengua Sugo Bogs, Pornographic Seizures on Maggot Stomp, Ulcerate Stare into the Death and Be Still, Ulthar's Providence on 20 Bucks Spin, Undergang's Alderig I Levet on Dark Descent. This is kind of cheating because it's a compilation, but Vomit Fourth Northeastern Deprivation on Maggot Stomp in 2021, Anatomia's Corporeal Torment on May Sako, uh, Sako Un Oho. Cerebral Rot's Excretion of Mortality on 20 Bucks Spin, Concrete Winds, Nerve Butcher on Sepulchral Voice, Defacement's self-titled album on I, Voidhanger, Frozen Soul Script of High Sun Century Media, Malignant Alters, Realm of Exquisite Morbidity on Dark Descent, Morbific's uh, Ominous Seep of Putridity on Head Split, Mortiferum's Preserved in Torment on Profound Lore, Portals of Vow and Hagbulbia on Profound Lore, Replicants being Malignant Reality on Transcending Obscurity, 200 Stab Wounds, Slave to the Scalpel on Maggot Stomp, Worms, Worms Forever Glade on 20 Bucks Spin, in 2022, K-Oceans, Effigies of Obsolescence and Dark Descent, Emulations, Act of God, A Nuclear Blast, Morbific Squirm of Beyond the Mortal Realm on May Sako Un Oho, Phobophilix Enveloping Absurdity on Prostatic, uh, Tribal Gazes the Nine Choirs on Maggotstom, Triumvir Fowls, Onslaught to Seraphim on Vros but Batlop, Undeaths, It's Time to Rise from the Grave on Prosthetic, Vomit Forth Seething Malevolence. Actually, I take that one back. That's like, I do want to mention that in a second. And Worms Blue Nothing on 20 Bucks Spin. And then it's on other bands, but those are just bands for me that I like or I'm really excited to check out. And there's like so many other fucking records I can't even. Which Vomit is a really good band. Um, and it's, like, frustrating because you're just listening to this and it's like, I only have so many dollars, you know? And on the other hand, too, like, you know, you can easily kind of, I feel like, overdose. Like, if I'm just listening to constant, pretty good death metal, like, then it all starts to get less exciting. So it's nice to kind of come in and out of these, like, genre deep dives as I do. But the reason I wanted to bring all this up is um so this show happens i hear this record i'm like fuck then i'm like god i have to get 200 stab wounds album from last year 
I do. I'm like, damn, this is a good album. Um, I just picked up Portals of Val from last year. And I listened to it like once or twice on Spotify when it came out and was like, oh, you know, it's Portal. I love Portal. I got to get this. Uh, but I didn't really, I didn't track it down. I didn't really give it a serious listen. And then fucking Jesus Christ, I put it on the turntable the other day and it's like, they just don't stop being like one of a kind. And another one where like you read reviews and you're like, buddy, you are missing the fucking point. Like (laughs) you do not get this at all, which is fine. But like their music is like, it, it is just the antithesis of antithesis of a good time like they've become like straight unfun like ion was a really took it to some levels because they basically stripped away all like the hyper distortion and heavy bass and all that of hexafoid and then we're like no this is just like being electrocuted for 45 minutes and then avows like it's kind of like that except for we're using a wood burner to like carve our songs into your fucking eyeball and I it's yet. yeah it's it's like really the level of like stripped down rawness of it is uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. it's it's very effective, and I'm like, is this the best porno record? But every time they release a record, I'm just like consistently impressed by their ability to use so little to evoke so much. Um, I still have not heard Ulcerate's album from 2020, but like everybody's like, this is the best thing they've ever done, and I really liked the album before that, so. And I, they're, they're, well, they're, I guess technically their second album, Everything is Fire, is like, that's also describes the quality of the songs. They are quite good. So, <laughs> um, and there's a lot of like hateful shit you can say about all the, the slam and slam influence bands and bands like Sanguasugabob, but I, I've seen them now a couple times. Like, I liked their, their actual album on Century Media, Tortured Hole, and I like their Pornographic Seizures EP, like, not everything needs to be ulcerate or other bands that are like pushing the envelope of art. Like sometimes I just like really well crafted fucking dirt ball, like brutal death metal influenced, yeah. you know, trash. Uh, and, and to that point I talked about, I think vomit forth in the past, they were a huge shock to me. I was supposed to see them right before the pandemic, missed that show, saw them last year, was blown away because it's like, a mixture of like very old school death metal and uh, like brutal death metal and then some new new school style like influences but they had like a really fucking nasty guitar tone and like really good ability to write like fast breakdowns into really good sections with really quality riffs I've seen them now a couple times they're always good live but I finally picked up their album and oh my god was I fucking disappointed and the worst part about it it is it's a classic case of really good songs buried under really misguided production because they went for like what is like a much more sort of muddy organic guitar tone but like their music is all about like i want to hear like way over compressed like Mm -hmm. much closer to swedish death metal than incantation like this should just be pummeling punch in the face like it's they're begging for a kurt blue production job and instead i get some fucking horrific like everything's just sapped of all of its like bone crushing power. And I've, I keep trying, I keep releasing the record and being like, this is when it'll click. It's got like cool, weird, shitty interludes and stuff. And those are all great. But then the moment the metal starts, I'm like, eh. sounds like a fucking wet bag of dicks. Like live, they're still really good. So at least there's that, but like, fuck dude, like not like it's your debut album. So and you it's, think it's a production ma- issue. It's a hundred percent a production issue. I- I'll show it to you. Like, I'll, 
when we get off the episode, I'm not going to even waste people's time with it, but like, listen to Northeastern Deprivation, the compilation of all their demos, and then listen to their album, and you're going to be like, what the fuck? Like, bad, not good. Yeah, there's like, you know, I've already talked about Anatomia, and like, I mentioned one of their records, but they've put out a lot of really good ones. But there's a lot of cool shit happening where it's like, the other band that's not on here is Miasmatic Necrosis, because they're Gorgrind and not Death Metal. But they basically write, like, death metal quality, like, really good riffs into very short, like, you know, under a minute Gorgrind songs. But to release an album that is, like, essentially the, the catchiest Gorgrind I've ever heard in my life. But also, like, fucking ultra putrid. Like, I mean, just gurgle, gargling, like, super disgusting vocals, ultra nasty guitar tone, like, fucking drums. But, like, still, like, Oh, I remember that 30 mm-hmm. seconds. Like, that's that's fucking good. Uh, I'm so pissed I had to miss them last month. Um, but I guess I'll end my whole spiel with Cerebral Rot. This is, this is like, really the whole reason I wanted to do all this. So, obviously, I played Elden Ring all the way through. Uh, Did you? Took a big break. I didn't think then... you liked Rumpfuck. And then I came back to it, and after I saw this show, I was thinking of all, some of the death metal bands from the last, like, five years that I had been to follow up with, and when Cerebral Rod's first album came out on 20 Bucks Spin in, like, I think it was 17? Maybe it was 19. I was really impressed, because it was, like, wet and a little bit muddy, but it had this, like, little bit of, like, looseness, a little bit of early bolt thrower, but also these, like, wild and woolly solos that were, like, partially bolt throw, partially carcass, and it it was, like, psychedelic, but in the same way that, like, um, do you remember Beyond the Darkness, Buio Omega, that, um, Jody Amato movie we watched, mm-hmm. where, like, they dissolved the bodies and, mm-hmm. the, yeah, it was, like, that's, it's that kind of metal, and... And I was I was into it, but I never picked up the record and just listened to it, you know, here and there on Spotify for a while. They put out another album last year, this excretion of mortality. And so I'm like, I gotta check that out. I've never heard that. That's that's only half of the album art. The the way they decided to crop the poster was only like one side of it. Let me fucking pull this out for you. Just cause I think it gives context. That's still one of my favorite album covers of all time. Which one? Aosoft? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make her own This shit is so fucking good. I was the first song, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it here in a second, then I'm gonna shut the fuck up, but like Oh my god. I just was so pissed that I missed this release when it came out last year and then I of course they played at least Philly I think at least twice since this came out and I'm like I have to see this band I was listening to an interview they did they they just finished a European tour like a long European tour recently and in an interview from only a couple months ago he was like yeah I basically the lead singer slash writer for the band is like I've got the third album pretty much bouncing around in my head like the tracks are more or less done we just need to start rehearsing and recording them now granted many people have said that about albums that they haven't actually written at all but i'm very hopeful this fucking thing so you want to describe the cover art for our audience so i love it for a few different reasons but one of them is it seems like a metal cover artist 
discovered airbrushing? Yes. Because it, it looks like like you'd go to one of those stands in the mall and they'd be like, all right, I want hell on this shirt. I want you to airbrush hell on here. And that's what it looks like. Because it's got that like really soft edge to everything. Mm-hmm. And this is possibly one of the hardest band names in this genre that I've ever tried to read. It's easier on there. It's but on your shirt and on the album, uh, and then but my favorite part is that the name of the album is in perfect cursive. Yeah, it's just it's beautiful, and then you've got um, the uh, drippy Microsoft Word font. Yeah, for the it's it, everything about this is great. Yeah, so let me uh, the song titles. So there's there's. I have literally nothing to say complaint-wise. This is my, like, this is it. Outside of the only thing, I wouldn't even hold it against Anatomia. But, like, as, excluding Anatomia, I like this better than Blood Incantation, Starspawn, which is, like, a, a flawless and perfect album. I don't care what anybody has to say. But, like, this shit, it's now been, like, two and a half months of me just nonstop listening to Fever Death Metal album since... I don't know what I guess Vex Avoid in 2013. So yeah, for eight years. Like this this is this is exactly what I fucking want. And I'm gonna I'm gonna explain why in a second, but it's seven songs. It's just a little over forty minutes. It is the shortest forty minutes of my life. Like it is such an instant repeat listen. Excretion of mortality, vile yoke of contagion, spewing purulence, bowels of decrepitude, drowned in malodor. Wretching innards and crowning the disgustulant, in parentheses, breed of repugnance. Like, yeah, I'm fucking into it, bruh. And, and basically what it is is that it's, it's like three things that are my three favorite things. And maybe that's because they're my main points of reference in some ways. Um, yeah, you can just leave it up right there. But I do think that they're fair points of comparison. It's a little bit bolt thrower, a lot of it carcass, and uh, the wet, pungent stench of anatomia. And those are like my favorite fucking things. And so. It's true. I can attest to that. I, I'm gonna. I wanna describe a little bit. I'm gonna paraphrase from a very long review I wrote and put online. Uh, and then I'll show you just a little bit of the song so that you can kind of hear. And then we'll we'll wrap on this section. But um, the opening title track is absolutely infectious, grabbing you by the back of the skull and squeezing until your brain ruptures and your eyes bleed. Everything here captures the absolute putridity of the best films of Lucio Fulci. Similar to Fulci's most disgusting works, this, quote, low art, end quote, transcends its origin to become something wholly unique and enduring. In terms of the actual sound, I would point to In Battle There Is No Law and Realm of Chaos by Bolt Thrower and Symphony of Sickness by Carcass, but played at half the speed. Noticeably in regard to the stampeding drums, the purulent atmosphere, and the absolute, absolutely wild solos. I'm also reminded of Anatomia's lurching single-mindedness. Arguably, there are nods to Finnish legends like Abhorrence and Convulse, these are all things I love, and Cerebral Rot's evocation of them, intentional or not, wouldn't be enough if the songs didn't stand on their own, blah, 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 And it's like, the drums I've been described as sloppy and amateurish don't care. That's how fucking all the early 
Bolt Thrower records are described, and I love it because it just sounds like Wild Buffalo loose in the studio, just like banging on all the drums in like the best way. The production is like so soft, but like in a fucking maggoty rotted limbs kind of a way that like super works for the style. The solos are like not nothing ever really reaches for the most part those levels of realm of chaos bolt thrower like absolute dive fucking bomber world war Two. like you are a literal dive bomber like dropping fucking torpedoes and not well, dive bombs not torpedoes onto aircraft carriers but like pretty fucking close to that dropping torpedoes huh shut up well i mean they do drop torpedoes from torpedo planes yeah but not dive bombers which drop dive bomb bombs but anyway it's not quite to that level of like wild, you know, but there's, but they're like that, but just more like, I'm imagining like giant pimples on the ass of the world exploding with like just goo and like that's their solos. And then just like an overall love of the riff. And then they also use some of that symphony of sickness, like total ridiculous vocal affecting shit. And like just generally tons of reverb, but also sometimes like extra vocal effects on top of it that people are like, oh, that wasn't cool for 30 years. And I'm like, it is the coolest. So I'm going to show you part of the just opening track of this album, because if that doesn't get you interested, it's like, I guess you don't like death metal, you fucking idiot. Um, (laughs) But this is my record of the year. Even though it came out last year, it's also my record of last year. It's my... Whatever. We never do anything on time. Fuck you guys. I know. I can't hear it all. But, like, holy shit. Like, just a couple of dudes from Portland fucking crushing it. So, um, yeah. This is Excretion of Mortality. Thank you. 
Um, I like this. Yeah. I have this weird thing where, like, if you used to get this growing up all the time, you used to go, oh, the old albums are better. I like older shit for different reasons than I like bands' newer shit. Yeah. And it's partially due to lack of, not studio involvement, but it, it's it's a lot more stripped down. And what this sounds like, it doesn't sound like that they, okay, now let's record the drums. Okay, we're going to record this guitar part. Then we're going to record the vocals. This sounds like it was recorded live. And like a very good live recording, but also that live recording was in someone's basement. You know what's crazy about this? They recorded this, I'm pretty sure this is the album that they recorded at the same studio where they recorded, like Nirvana recorded Bleach. Really? Yeah, yeah. Before Nirvana was working with Steve Albini, but like that's probably part of why. Like they went to a really good studio that in you know Seattle, Portland area, and where like because I remember in the interview I was watching, he was talking about it was like yeah, there's fucking like Grammys and shit on the wall, and it's like here we are recording this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. Uh, I, I was just like. I, I was playing this when I was doing my second, listening to this while I was doing my second playthrough of Elden Ring, and I was like, I have to get to the Shaded Castle immediately. I was like, this is like, <laughs> you know, or anywhere where there's Scarlet Rot, because this is, this is like that fucking vibe, you know? And that's my favorite kind of shit. Like, I love, I mean, it's why I love Anatomy, it's why I love Carcass. Caleb appears on the screen and this album just starts playing. Seriously, and it's like... And especially when you look at that art. I mean, yeah. these, like, horrific skins, like, airbrush. Got the red. And it, it's cool, because they've had the same artist for basically everything they've done. She's this uh, tattoo artist out of, I think... Now the airbrushing makes sense. Yeah, I think she's primarily out of Virginia now, or, no, Tennessee. So I'm going to try in the future to get... She does a lot of travel stuff and see if I can get some of either this art or... Some other original thing by her, because it would mesh pretty well with my main artist's art style, because he has, it's not quite that airbrushy look, and her, uh, her drawings are different, so, like, that's one of her, like, more tattoo-style stuff she does. She does a lot of, like, weird tribal meets, like, exploding faces, but that's the same artist, so. I got worried when you said tribal, I said, I was... Thinking to myself, Frank, if you get travel tattooed on you, I will not be your friend anymore. Sure, fair enough. But yeah, so I, I'm just like blown away by how good this is, especially for a band to jump. Like their first album is really enjoyable, but I listened to that like compared to this, and it's like this is just in two years they felt like they got like ten years tighter. And the last thing I, I just want to read is this other little bit from my review, which says, you know, I talking about the last song on the album which is my favorite the towering colossus of muck and filth that is the crowning crowning the disgustulent breed of repugnance at 11 minutes it is the ultimate payoff to this descent into murky depths utilizing repetition with tension building riffs and atmospherics until reaching its slow motion zenith at 741 releasing spores of brain melting fungus as a final fuck you I would also note there's a lot of call and response style guitar work between lead and rhythm guitars, which I can't get enough of, and blah, 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 blah. It, it's, yeah. So, I'll get you a copy of this. It's, uh, it's real good. I've already got a couple shirts, and I'm like, this is, this is like my new shit. Like, it's these guys, Anatomia, are like two current active bands where I'm like, I will buy everything you put out if I have money in my bank. 
So. Yeah, well, unfortunately for them, even though I've heard a lot of good things, uh, I am working with a much older EMT tomorrow. Mm. So now they're going to have to listen to this. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, sure. So that, that wraps it up for me. I mean, it, it was... Uh, it was a year where I didn't hear a lot of the new stuff, um, but this this taking a hard left back into a, the last couple of years of, of death metal has really been uh, revelatory, and I just feel super lucky to, you know, live in an era where there's so much really good music, and I just laugh because I continue to be one of the exceptions to the rule of, I have the ability to listen to this easily on Spotify. I listen to it once. I bought the album the next day. Like I'm one of those people that Spotify still is just like all the other streaming shit, a way for me to like just check out something and be like, yeah, I'm gonna actually spend money on it, and then I spend the money on it. Mm-hmm. I now own everything Cerebral Rot's put out because I was like, within like two weeks, I'm like, I need, I need all of this immediately. <laughs> so, so out of respect for the listeners, Tom, we've decided to split these episodes into two parts. So obviously just heard the first part all about records, and the next episode will discuss video games and manga and and some other stuff. So I hope you enjoyed that, and uh, to close things out, here's Cerebral Rot again. (laughs) 